Hey everybody, welcome back to Piss Magazine. I'm Tanner, and I'm here today with my guest host, Matt. What's up, man? What's happening? Dude, uh... How's it going? It's going good over here, dude. You have had an amazing few months, and I'm kind of excited to have you on. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I've been really living it up. It's it's so worth it, dude. Bef- before we get to your, your travels in the Orient, um, you had something you wanted to talk about up top. So there was one thing I wanted to talk about. I have this really bad habit of seeing the worst movie out of like famous movie franchises. <laughs> I saw No Time to Die. I don't know if you've seen any James Bond movies. That's the only one I've seen. How old is that? Is that, was... a, is that a Sean Connery one? No, it's pretty. It's like the most recent one. It's got that really serious British dude. Oh, okay. Yeah, Daniel Craig. No, I don't think I saw Time to Die, yeah. man. It's different. It like I get the idea of what James Bond movies are like. You know, he's kind of like suave, and he's like, yeah, and then he's gonna do some shit. And it was just Daniel Craig is just so deadpan that it makes it like a little too serious. But the main thing that bothered me was the was like the the action shots. The physics were all off. I know that's the dorkiest shit to be like <laughs> pissed off about, but like. It's just simple stuff that, like, anybody could figure out. Like, there's a car chase scene, and they're, like, side by side. And, of course, the bad guys are driving a Range Rover, because that's what bad guys drive in action movies. (laughs) So, like, the Range Rover hits Daniel Craig's car. He doesn't move an inch. Then Daniel Craig swipes that Range Rover, and he, like, skirts off the road (laughs) and flips over. And it's like, all right, I guess you got a, you know, extra, like, four tons on your car somehow. You just got a lead weight in the bottom of it. It's one of the gadgets Q gave him. This is a, a car. You can swipe any mirror of another car, and it'll send it into the stratosphere. Yeah, <laughs> Those... it just didn't feel right. It felt like some really young movie producer was like, here you go, do a James Bond movie. Use that as your template. It was like a copy change, but things weren't really hitting. They were like moments that were supposed to be like intense moments and it had it's got jared leto in it and he's good at being creepy but if he's just creepy out of context then it just makes him seem like a weird dude saying weird things to people i i really do think jared leto shines being scummy not because like he plays creepy really well man but like in american psycho and he's just a sleazeball that's my favorite leto role like hands down oh yeah yeah, for sure. Where he's just like kind of fucking uh, yeah. <laughs> he's like pretending to be a normal person, but he's got the crazy in his eyes. Can you imagine how shitty Jared Leto's Nightcrawler would have been? <laughs> I'm just imagining like they're they're both very unset. Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, what the f- whose name? What's his name, man? I'm sorry. I'm fucking. I'm blanking. We we're just talking about him. What Jared Leto? Jared Leto. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. They're two of the most unsettling actors I can think of. Yeah. But uh I so I've seen for James Bond movies, I've seen like I I saw like Octopussy, which I think is the yeah. ca- the casino heavy one from the 60s. Yeah. That that would play on TV a lot. But I never really got into it, man. Like I never had that my dad was never the guy who like read spy novels. Like my oh, dad watched yeah. westerns. So like the only like action movies I would get would be like the Denzel shit. Yeah. Oh, dude. Right. Th- those are. I don't know about you, man, but those are like my favorite moments with my dad when he's like, "Oh, dude, you've never seen John Q? We're gonna watch John Q tonight." Oh 
yeah, dude. John Q is fucking good. That is. is that, oh, so okay, wait, wait. Is, that's the one where his kid is sick, right? And he's trying to get the he's trying to get the heart. Yeah, dude. I fucking love that one because it's just like it's got the same energy as that one Samuel L. Jackson movie, The Negotiator. Yeah. Where he's just like, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. There's something about a man with with something to lose who's acting like he's got nothing to lose. It's like my favorite like like character right now. Like Yeah, dude. Dude, I watched he's like Sorry, go on. Almost anti hero. Almost anti hero. I uh I watched two movies uh yesterday that I, I think sent me into a panic attack that is still going on. I watched uh I watched uh Francis Ha. Yeah, what's that about? So, um it's Greta Gerwig starring in it. Uh she just directed the Barbie movie. And it's Right. Francis Ha is directed by the co writer of Barbie, Noah Baumbach, back in twenty twelve. So mm. it's basically just I'm a girl in my late twenties. My life is kind of falling apart. My my career in dance isn't going where I want it to. Like it's the it's every story about hey, I'm in my late twenties and kind of lost. Yeah, but it's all in black and white, and there's so much interpersonal drama that like at the end you feel like you've just been in an exhausting drama like triangle with with your real life friends. Yeah. That's what it feels like. So I was like, <laughs> you know, like, what? God damn, I need a nap. Yeah, no, but my dumbass man, if you don't mind me going on, was like, you know what I need? I need a Jesse Eisenberg movie. That guy cheers me up. So I throw on Vivarium. I th- have you heard of Vivarium? I see the look on your face. I've heard of it. I heard interesting things about it. I haven't seen it. I've it, just heard it was like he's doing something kind of out of his comfort zone. It's so I would say it is totally it's not what American audiences are used to seeing Eisenberg in, but he did a movie called The Identical. No. The Double, directed by Richard Ayoade. Um yeah. and it's very similarly like dark and kind of like muted colors. But Vivarium is like this couple gets um a home in like a suburban development, but yeah after they walk through the house, they realize that their real estate agent has disappeared and that they've, they've driven all around the whole thing. And all they can do is drive in a big circle back to their own house. And they're, they're just trapped, dude. The story really kicks off. They like try to burn down their home to get somebody to like come and help them like classic 1408. That's how they get out in 1408. Um, Uh But they wake up on the street the next morning and there's just a box on the street and it says, um, raise this and you will be released. And they open it up and it's a fucking baby. Oh, shit, dude. And the, the, uh, the, uh, discomfort in the movie just gets ratcheted up like every 10 minutes. They're just like, hey, what if we made this like uncut gems levels of like just hard to sit through i made it yeah dude i made it half an hour and then i was like literally like i need to go watch family guy or like take a walk or (laughs) get my mind off this dark shit right yeah 
No, dude. Stuff where it involves a baby and is dark is really just like a little extra. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Mother. It was like a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, man. Where they tear the baby apart, right? Oh, uh, dude. Uh. I was supposed to be on a date during that movie. Oof. Yeah, man. That's that's the thing, man. It's one of those things you never think about where it's like, man, Aronofsky doesn't have one good date movie. <laughs> no, dude. No, but that other one you were talking about, Richard Ayoade, I didn't know he was director because I really like him in all of his acting roles. He's, he's but, a superb actor. Yeah, but it's interesting that he would make really dark movies because he's always like a really like, I'm bright and goofy. So it's, uh, it is darkly comedic. Like I'd say like visually it's dark and like, you know, I'm, it's based on a Dostoevsky novel, so I don't feel bad saying what the plot is. But basically, someone shows up at his job that looks just like him and like, re, re, like replaces him because he's better. Like, but it's like his exact identical. Spooky. <laughs> it is kind of spooky, but like, it's very English humor. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, this is kind of this kind of hanky. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like wordplay and like, oh, you did that. Oh, the awkward. A little awkward. Dude, you know what show I can't stand to watch? IT Crowd. It's... Uh, dude, I got through it. It's probably it's rough, really but... funny. <laughs> Is it, was it dude, not? It's, what, it's better when you're, like, depressed. Be, something about being depressed and watching situational comedy just works better than just having, like, a normal life going on. And you're like, wow... These guys are just pretending to be guys in, that are like 30 that ha- can't get laid. You know, like this is just. <laughs> Dude, uh, on that same topic, like I had, you know, I was trying to like calm myself down from my Vivarian overdose, Vivarium mm-hmm. overdose. And uh, so I started watching 30 Rock. To- mm-hmm. Totally, totally put me in a better state of, mind, state of mind. You have to be, you have to be mentally oh, yeah. unwell to enjoy sitcoms. I think you're dead on. <laughs> Once you see Tracy, it just puts you in like a different headspace. You're like, oh, everything's fucking goofy, you know. <laughs> what's what's Tracy, bro? I've never heard of that. Tracy, what's his face? I forget his last name. In Thirty Rock, the, the oh dude... Tracy, yeah Tracy. I always get his real name and his TV name mixed up because it's Tracy Morgan and Tracy Jordan. So I think Tracy oh, Morgan yeah, is that's the real what guy. It is. Yeah, Morgan is the real name. So yeah, dude, he's. He's an interesting character, man. Like he was, he's the first person I remember pre Me Too getting canceled. So, what did he get canceled for? So he he was doing stand up. Um, I can't remember the city. I do think it was New York. And someone caught it on video and sent it to TMZ. But the joke was like, man, if my son came out as gay, I'd stab the motherfucker. And it's like, dude, he's he's working a black room. He's he's a blue yeah. he's a blue comic like he does really dark stuff, um, and just irreverent. So like I mean he can't. I don't think that's right in his wheelhouse right there. Yeah, and it's like dude's dude has like been a New York actor for thirty yeah. years. Like he doesn't have an issue with gay people. Like frankly, yeah, dude. <laughs> New York comedy is just like a little bit different where they can get like real spicy. And it's fine, you know? Like, if somebody from the Midwest said the same thing, it'd be like, okay, buddy, do you actually believe that? Yeah, 100%. And here's the thing, man. It's like, I was listening to, because I watched uh, about half of that Mark Norman special we're going to talk about, the Soups to Nuts that yeah. just came out. 
Um, and then I I had to take a break. I had to do a palate cleanser. Norman is not my guy, but I, I had I have good things to say. And I watched that Louis C.K. thing from 2015 where he's at the cellar. Mm. I think it might just be called Live at the Cellar. Um, yeah. It's on Netflix, but uh, his... Fuck, I can't remember what my fucking point was. Dude, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little scattered right now. Uh, yeah. What, what what was I talking about, man? Help me out. You're talking about that, that Norman thing and the oh, yeah. humor. So he he drops the N-bomb five, seven times. Back Louis? In, yeah, Louis, back in 2015. And this is like, if you know Louis from like any of his serious XM stuff, like you, if you're our age and you watch any of those re-uploads or if you're our audience's age and you just listen to serious XM, <laughs> um, like yeah. you, you remember uh, Louis being really casual with like slurs and stuff. Cause he, he oh, knew yeah. how to make them very funny. And uh, I was just kind of shocked. Cause I'm like, Dude, if I if I worked the same material, I know I'm not Louie, but if I worked the same material, and you're right, at any room in the Midwest, you would be audibly heckled from the audience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I even if the room's laughing, there's going to be someone that's like, I'm better than this. And it's like, dude, I I don't think you've really caught the rhythm of, of what's trying to be accomplished here. Yeah, they're on some kind of wavelength about if I don't stand up for this, no one will. Yeah, you this know, is my d- injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, Matt. And that's literally <laughs> true in a thousand percent of cases. You should, oh, yeah, never not true. Um, dude, you know what word I haven't heard in a long time? I think because we've internalized it so much, like we know to avoid it, microaggression. It's been years. It's been like years. I've seen it in like throwbacks, you know, like watching some shit from like 2016 where they're like, you're micro-pressing me, you know? Dude, I, you know what I think it is? Because you know who really capitalized on microaggressions? It was, the, it was the Asian community and like uh, the, uh. Uh, the uh, disabled activism community i hope i'm using the proper terms for that but uh right they like once once asian pacific islanders that like group became like more like socially recognized microaggressions went away because that was their whole thing was they're like hey we don't want to like corn this is my generalization we don't want to like hey i'm sorry we had a slight audio issue matt can i get you to chime off real quick sound off minor technical error very minor (laughs) Thank you. Um, so my whole point was like, it seemed like Asians were very like timid to be like, "Hey, we're being racially oppressed," <laughs> and so like they 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 settled, they settled for the pissed on breadcrumbs that were like, "You're microaggressing against me." You're microaggressing against me by calling me Chinese when I'm <laughs> Filipino. I you know what? I guess it would annoy me, but here's the here's the one of the beautiful things about being white man. Not one person ever tries to guess your ethnicity except other white people like like a white dude will walk up to you like i've done this to you matt and just been like you're like yeah. you're like irish and spanish right <laughs> and you're like oh almost almost yeah. Dude, i mean when i was in other I, when i was in other countries because i was in asia recently pe- oh. the first thing that people always ask you is where are you from and i'd always have them guess 
And the most guest answer, so I had a big old beard, but the most guest answer was Israel. And then the yeah. second most guest answer was Germany, which is where a lot of Ashkenazis come from is Germany. You I, know, it's, uh, you know, Matt, we've also, we've often pointed out how you're, uh, you know, your Spanish features don't, they're not Sephardic, yeah. but they ironically just make you look like a Jewish man from the middle of Europe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Dude, I would, I, uh, I don't know. I think that's probably a compliment. People, pretty much everyone except, uh, my Indian, uh, associates have great things to say about Israeli tourists. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, Indians and Israelis have some kind of beef. And they're both stereotyped as being cheap. And I think there's something there because they're trying to figure out which one gets stuck with the stereotype. Bro, do you, do you know about the Jewish only coffee shops in India? No. So, what? Yeah, so they're like uh, backpacking trails that are so frequented by um, is Israeli backpackers that they have, you know, just little things set up specifically to curate to that Jewish audience because there's thousands yeah. coming through every year and Nowhere. and so there's there's this one coffee shop in manala i think i want to say it's it's in it's in manala which is pretty popular to hike through and like buy hash that's literally like it's like light blue and white and like gold on the outside and you go inside and it's there's literally a sign where it just it says like fuck jews only more or less right and they probably got it written in hebrew too it, yeah yeah no the, like a lot of the signage is in hebrew and it's just uh it's kind of amazing. I'm like, it makes me wonder, like, in other countries where they have a huge diversity, like, like ten percent is made up of this, and ten percent is made up of this, and ten percent is made up of this. In America, we have like really dominant racial groups, but if like in Turkmenis, if if like in Russia, they're like, no Tajikis allowed. No one from Tajikistan can eat here. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, right. Just a, like a small minority, they're like, no Tajiks. Are are any of your friends like really big like war dogs or war tards that are like super into the uh, Russia Ukraine thing? No, I don't know anybody who's really deep into that. Me either, bro. You know anybody? Not a, not a single person. I think we're all sick of it, man. Like I I think trying to get someone to open up about something like a war that none of us have been following yeah. is just like it's it's. You're not gonna you're not gonna get anything fruitful out of that discussion. <laughs> well, the weird part is that I keep hearing I like I'll hear random stuff. Like I'll just tune into the news randomly. And I heard the other day there was that whole during the time when there was that whole big thing about how we wanted to send them like illegal munitions because we ran out of the legal ones. And then shortly after that there was some announcement by the president like, Oh, we're gonna be releasing our reserve troops. But it's not a big deal because we already have a few troops on the ground over there. I was like, yo, uh, since when did we have troops on the ground over there? Yeah. And they're no. like, oh, no, like advanced troops or whatever. So, and But we're also adding the reserve troops. And we're also sending them illegal cluster bomb munitions that will leave, like, whole swaths of land just, like, covered in unexploded ordinances, you know? Dude, I... I really think it's funny that in America, in, in America, like I'm always shocked at the rights we have because if I were a yeah. government, you wouldn't be able to do the shit I wanted to do. So like, yeah. um, joining a mercenary force and like fighting overseas cause you're bored. 
that doesn't you know that makes you want to like beat your chest or whatever like the, i i get it yeah. like if if uh but i do think what is like uh stupid is uh taking up the cause of like a foreign entity that doesn't care about you because they're right. like, because they're being wronged i'm like dude that's feed, feed someone down the street you want to go hold a gun you want to go hold a gun somewhere and we're back and they just <laughs> and we're back and they just want to go hold a gun somewhere they don't feel enough satisfaction from just pointing a gun at a paper target so they want they want something a little warmer something moving around a little more they want to see it writhe well dude i think it's that like that uh purposelessness crisis we kind of have in the west right now where it's like we're not fighting for anything um like i don't know we've we've solved a lot of problems it's not like you can dedicate your life to like making water drinkable or something i mean i guess you could you could but you'd have to go to other countries where nobody's paying attention yeah you'd oh my god i guess i'm realizing there are there's more things i could be doing to help you know if you look up like oh how's the best way to help uh, always they just say donate money they always just want nobody wants you to actually go and physically help I went to a fundraising event, like a whole like charity dinner where it's like however much a plate, and then they were going and make they were literally making wells in like three different African countries. And like afterwards, I went up to her and I was like, "Oh yeah, like you guys were, you know, you were talking about going to like Uganda." And at the time, I was looking into the whole Uganda gold mine thing. Uh, I don't know if I told you about that, but like I was like, "Yeah, let me know the next time you're going to Uganda." And basically, she was like, "Yeah, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's cool. I'll let you know." But yeah, if you want to donate, yeah, like, uh. and they just they just want your money. They just want your money. I mean, that's their income is uh, getting you to donate, and it's like, yeah, I um I'm doing this thing. Uh, you know, Izzy, the couch philosopher. We're both like doing fucking soup kitchens and shit. Like yeah. yeah, we found out it's not it's not illegal in my state anyways, and I don't think it's illegal in California. I haven't actually done the legal research on that yet, but um I'll call the health department and figure it out. But uh they were like, Yeah, there's we actually don't have any regulations. The woman talking to me seemed very surprised about that. But um we found some like areas that are in need and we're trying to find some more and it really does seem like we can I don't know feasibly hand out like 30 to 50 meals a week and like I don't know like not so far it's just my money but I have some friends like volunteering their time and that's like I mean it's kind of exciting dude like I'm I'm excited to just like uh kind of set an example that you can just you can literally just go like fucking do a soup kitchen you don't have to fucking film it and you don't have to fucking do it I hope I'm not undermining that uh what I'm trying to do by mentioning it on here, but no, it's like literally just go start a soup kitchen. There's nothing stopping you unless you live in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> you, have does, you seen those does, videos? Does Texas block it. The what? Oh does yeah. Texas like block it. Damn. Texas, um, in Austin, they have a, a citation they hand out that specifically says feeding the homeless. What? Yeah, dude. Damn. They're treating them like seagulls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, don't feed bread to the seagulls, dude. That's blow up the stomach. I it pisses me off when I go to the park because I used to I used to feed ducks bread with my mom when I was a kid. So like, I get yeah. it. I, I get it. Everyone does that. If if you like doing that, the proper thing to do is to get instant oats. Go, do it. Do it with instant oats, and they're safe. But uh, 
I, um, fuck. Yeah, no, but like I'll, I'll go to the park sometimes or I'll, I'll go to this uh, pond I frequent and there'll be people feeding geese and they're feeding them fucking bread. And I'm like, do I intervene? Cause it's like, I don't want to say the words. It'll kill the goose in front of a child. Like, and also, do you know, have you noticed this? There's no real etiquette for whispering to another adult. Like if, like, especially a stranger, like if you, if you were in like Ace Hardware and someone was like, come here, you'd walk the other fucking direction. <laughs> well, me personally, I want to know what the fuck they got to say just because I like listening to crazy people, you know? Was it, was it you, homie, when we were in college that, uh, that crackhead stopped us on the street asking us for bus money? Dude, there were a couple people that asked us for bus money. I don't know if you remember, we were walking around with somebody and they totally bought the sob story and gave them like, oh, you want 10? Here's 20 bucks. <laughs> somebody we were with just totally got roped in and we're like, no. Dude, it's, it's, a, it's a trap. Dude, I'll, t- I'll tell you. Uh, I, I, think, I think I know the friends you're talking about. Um it's another brave soul we lost to having a girlfriend, um, which is good, which is great. Like literally, I told every single one of my male friends to uh, go try to get a lo- in a long term relationship because I personally found it very fulfilling. Um, and uh, the side effect of that is is uh, turns out none of these girlfriends like me at all. So I don't fucking. <laughs> And I'm like, we got oh, lost in the sauce. A hundred percent, dude. I'm like, uh, like there's this, uh, this uh, one guy. <laughs> Never mind. I'll I'll skip it. I'll skip Did it. Did they ever bit. specify what the girlfriend said though? It's uh no, they never do, because they know it's yeah. stupid. They know it's fucking mm-hmm. stupid. Um, they know. They fucking know. I um, I don't know, man. I'm a. I'm a big fan of uh, letting whoever I'm dating uh, talk to to people they want that aren't uh, trying to fuck them or sell them drugs. <laughs> well, really, I mean, those are the big two, really. Those are the big two. It's like, have you ever have you ever uh, dated a girl that like smoked weed or whatever, and she's yeah. like, uh, oh no, I mean, Andre's my dealer. Andre's my. I, he would never he would never do anything to hurt hurt me and I'm like dude if there if Andre can trade you to get out of a bad situation you'll be on you'll be in a shipping container tomorrow <laughs> like like um I don't know why people have this idea in their head that like because a drug dealer is nice it means they're like moral yeah no they just it could just mean they're a sociopath yeah oh dude I I trust of... a rude de- drug dealer. I I had a drug dealer back in the back in when I lived in the other state, and he had a huge crush on my girlfriend, and she thought that he was creepy. So I just used that to my advantage. I'd bring her over with me. He would get all like flirty with her, and then we'd get a good deal on the weed. <laughs> you were but, you working a sales pitch at that point? Yeah, dude, <laughs> working a three point pitch. Um. Yeah, there was a and there was this one guy that I used to I used to buy pot from who's like one of those one of those dealers where you're like 16 and you just like get introduced to like a 40 year old. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like 
he never said or did any creepy shit to me but like i hung around there for years man so like i'm 18 19 and like i'd bring girls over sometimes and this dude just couldn't be normal did you ever did you ever go to uh that creepy house we would like play magic the gathering in the basement like smoke weed all night oh no not that house that sounds dope it was it was kind of cool there was um a friend of uh personal friend <laughs> uh nick he wants uh what the sorry dude mm-hmm. i keep losing my train of thought what the fuck was i talking about um you know it's funny you about that house um which house with the weed and the magic gathering in the basement. Oh yeah, so um, we w- we would sit down there and smoke cigarettes for hours and and weed for hours, and I think it literally just like there was not enough oxygen in the air. Um, uh, I don't know. People would pass out sometimes. Shit. People would just. Um, did you ever? We ha- got a. Sorry. We got a lot of sleepy weed in that town. I feel like that's the most I've seen people like falling asleep from just some kush. Oh, dude. I wish I meant like the indica hit them and they greened out. No, like full on like 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 the blood pressure dropped so fast that they literally just like hit the it, ground. Okay, so the, the, the 10 minute Ableton curse is completely real. <laughs> it's for real um ableton discord dude i uh I'll, I'll fix it i don't i don't know what it is i think uh have you been praying enough oh dude i did not pray to allah five times only three dude i uh i was getting i got a i got a friend right now who you know i love him to death but uh and i and i feel this like comment but uh he was like you know man i've been really bummed out lately and but i've been really feeling islam and i'm like <laughs> this is like a you know a black guy our age and, yeah. I'm, and I'm like I, I i get uh finding religion in your late 20s totally but i'm also like i feel like you'd be i don't know i'm content to study all religions and not convert i'm i'm too interested in all of it to be like this is how it is yeah i feel like if i commit to one i'm just gonna find another part of another one and be like well actually hinduism has been around for a long time well actually <laughs> buddhism really does have some interesting principles oh dude it, go on the weird thing about buddhism and hinduism is there's not like a clear line between them it they share a lot of stuff like not just like karma and reincarnation but there's this one hindu god called hanuman the monkey king but he's really big in buddhism so um I didn't know Hanuman was a big deal in Buddhism at all actually. I uh followed uh like certain devotees of uh Hanuman uh like like that fucking Ra- you know Ramdas. Yeah. His uh guru was uh big into Hanuman and a lot of people think he's like the reincarnation of Hanuman or whatever. Um which is crazy to me that like so in our in our culture dude um if you say you're the reincarnation of anybody, only the fringe group you belong to will, will care, really. Um, right. But in, in Hinduism, it's like, if you're just like a, a chill dude, <laughs> they're like, yo, this dude might be like Krishna or something. Dude, yeah, because <laughs> Krishna and I think Vishnu, but definitely Krishna just shows up as like, I don't know, like 
40% of all the other Hindu deities are also like an incarnation of Krishna, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And Krishna himself is like, what just Vishnu also somehow am I, I might be wrong about that. I'm not, I'm not a Hindu scholar. I, I think <laughs> Vishnu is like the, the child of Krish, Krishna. I'm pretty sure. Cause Vishnu is the elephant head. No, that's, but, yeah, that's Ganesh brother. Oh right, so yeah. So I th- I think Vishnu is like the wellspring that like all other gods come from, or it's Krishna. Like I I think it's there's different schools of thought about it, but like, um, yeah. I do love the uh, interchangeability <laughs> of the gods. It reminds me of uh, in well not interchangeability. Most people devote themselves to one god for most of their life, but uh. Th- in the church of the subgenius, which are, I'm, I know you're familiar with, right? No, never heard of it. Um, it's sort of a parody religion. It's uh, pretty cool. It's like totally your thing, man. But uh, they have a this thing in their literature where they're like, use a short duration personal savior, and they're like, the recommendation is like, you know, don't uh, just use whatever savior you need, if it whether it be Jesus or uh, Muhammad or batman like like just call it in for either 10 like seconds stop or gap total stop yeah it just like give you all of the comfort and magical protection that a, a lifelong savior would but you know throw it out when yeah. you're done throw it out when you're yeah. done i kind of like that disposable savior i kind of like uh I, I really love the idea of a new religion happening like like a truly like new wave of thought um and i just like i've I've sat down and tried to think about like oh what would be like an interesting idea for a god it's like dude the well is so dry yeah i uh, because everything is based like there's all those judeo-christian religions and then they just branched off in so many different directions they covered like so much ground that nobody would even think to take seriously you know (laughs) like dude the the ones that speak in tongues and then they've also like evolved differently. There was one like pretty common sect of Christianity that when they were kind of getting going, they were only in upstate New York and they had this rule that like, okay, it's cool if you fuck everybody and we're kind of down with that, but the dudes can't bust. You can fuck as much as you want, but not a drop of nut leaves that fucking wow. mushroom. So it's, yeah. it's the uh, straight equivalent of it ain't gay if I don't come. It ain't, yeah, it ain't a sin if I don't come. That's so fucking funny. There's there's a, a deep dive I want to do. And like, I don't know, you'd definitely be the guy to like do it with, I think. Um, on Shabtai's Zv or Shabtai Zevi. Very familiar. Is he a Kabbalist? So, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, but what he did do, that was a big, a big deal. So this, this fellow was born in 1666. Think of that what you Ooh. will. He uh, he got a very prominent uh, Kabbalist to to make a prophecy, Nathan of Gaza, to be like, oh yeah, no, the the Messiah, uh, you know, exists on Earth, and his uh, name will be Shabtai V. Funny enough, <laughs> and so they like met up, and they like kind of just I think reached an agreement that uh, they were gonna like do the Messiah grift. And yeah. and they legit converted half of the Jews in Europe, and really? I'm in, I'm including Spain here. Yeah, 
all those uh all those sephardics down in spain too yeah yeah about about half of them and then uh damn the the ottoman empire stepped in and uh, were they muslim at the time they yes yeah, so the ottoman empire is muslim at that time um and and this is a heretical jewish sect they're like basically going to be a second christianity right um their whole thing was that sin brings you closer to god that was the main teaching they were like yeah we can make we can make the apocalypse happen and speed up heaven on earth if we uh like just fuck (laughs) if we just like sodom and gomorrah right here um it's uh like yeah he was he was like yeah it'll bring closer to god blah 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 so um the the ottomans did a forced conversion of him at the height of his power right and and so uh he he they were like either you convert to islam or we kill you straight up and he said okay well you know what the spirit of allah is filling me as you speak (laughs) and yeah kill allah and so these uh this his whole sect like about half of half of them just left and would return to uh, conventional judaism but there was a uh, the population right now is about twenty thousand. there's twenty thousand people now that are going don't don't may uh they're called don't may muslims or don't may jews or just the don't may but they are the converts of shabtai zevi and so they like superficially practice islam but uh really the the core of their religion are, are the teachings of shabtai's v and uh uh the kabbalah uh, so they're like praying five times a day but in the back of their mind they're like what's up shabtai yeah you it's know? it's i assume at this point it's probably a little bit more open now that the ottoman empire is gone but like it's it's weird to me that they wouldn't just be like okay we're not being persecuted let's just going let's just go back to worshiping our you know our recently deceased messiah yeah, I mean, they probably just got in the habit of, like, doing it in secret, and it's like, oh, it's kind of hotter in secret, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what's that one Brazilian martial art where it looks like dance? Capoeira. You know what I'm talking about? Capoeira. Yeah. yeah. They still do it like a dance. They could have been like, hey, we're not a, a, a slave con- like colony anymore, so we can just actually do jiu-jitsu or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But they're like, no, let's keep dancing, you know? And it's like, dude, people really love that sneaking around aspect. You know, I don't know what it is about. Uh, you know, Duper's delight is a very real thing. Yeah. <laughs> like people love D- Duper's delight is like that that thing where you feel pleasure for having tricked somebody. Oh yeah, getting away with something. Yep, it's, it's the the true douchebag emotion. Dude, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I didn't feel that. Yeah, I. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Which is worse, Duper's delight or Schadenfreude, or Schadenfreude? I mean, it's really the same thing, you know. I mean, you're really just delighting in somebody else's misfortune, but sometimes you can get Duper's delight without them knowing that they have encountered misfortune because it's really nice when they think that they get a good deal and really you fucked them over <laughs> that's uh you know that's the art of the deal baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally yeah. Um, how much how much of the book or the art of the deal do you think is like be confident shake someone's hand yeah. <laughs> look them in the eyes look them in the eye. don't present anything of value just like 
come across like you've been in a meeting before. <laughs> Just pretend like you have something that they want. Dude, I think I think I got something people want right now. What is, yeah. These these fucking shows, dude. It's like I we've got a we've got a good group of people right now. Yeah. And I think we're about to go to like having like literally like eight fucking shows. And yeah. and uh I don't know, man. I want you I know I'm doing this on the podcast, but like I want you to fucking do your mini series on fucking pennies or fucking currency yeah. or whatever, like or adventures in fucking Thailand and shit. Can we can, yeah. can we spend like the last like five minutes or so kinda doing the thorns and roses of your trip? Just tell us like oh, what your trip good. was and then like do thorns and roses, like big highlights and stuff. Alright, so basically I've never wanted to be like somebody who does those guided tours but it was i was going to asia and i've never been anywhere near asia so it was totally worth it so basically you just gotta give this tour company a couple grand and then you gotta drop a couple grand to like fly into one city fly out of another city and it was i mean it was it was dope but we've got to bangkok a couple days early so we could like experience bangkok and it's like it's so nice being in a city where you can party like just kind of freely because yeah, there's like not on really the that. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's not really, not really that in America, you know, like you're out there on the street. Maybe you're going to run into some like local teenagers who are going to break dance, like the best break dancing you've ever seen for like 45 minutes. And you can just watch that or you can go get a beer for like one or two or three dollars, you know, and if they just have the party in certain spots, and you just go to those spots. And also, southern Vietnam, really nice. It's really western. Northern Vietnam is very tense. <laughs> That's where all the government workers are. But Vietnam is weird in general because it's technically communist, but I don't get how it's communist. They don't give you, like, free education or free health care or really free anything. The main way that it's communist is that if you're out having a beer, you're probably going to go to the beer street. And that's where they have a bunch of plastic stacking chairs just all over the road. There's no cars driving through there. And then every now and again, a cop is going to come through and you got to stack up all the chairs and just stand up with your beer and pretend like you're not drinking there. And then <laughs> so the restaurant like... owner tells you. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, the restaurant owner tells you, like, okay, come back in five minutes when the cops leave. And it's fucking just, like, a whole show about, like, oh, we're not drinking in the street. Okay, we really are. So it's it's literally just, like, performative, like, car- cargo culty communism. Like, yeah. I've said this before on the podcast, like, the most disappointing thing about becoming educated about, like, the the Soviet economic system is like it is literally always just people go to work and then they get a paycheck and sometimes the government provides services. I'm like, that's the same fucking economy we have. It's just I can't get a letter in the mail that says you go work on a farm now. Right. If you would just have to choose which farm you work on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, no, I'm, that's the thing is like you didn't in communist countries, you didn't necessarily have that choice. But yeah. uh, people throw this huge fit about uh it's like oh dude everyone makes the same amount of money and i'm like no that is so untrue dude have you ever heard the phrase chinese billionaires that 
as a Westerner, that left me scratching my head. I'm like, how are, how do you have a communist nation with billionaires? That doesn't even yeah. make sense. Yeah, dude, it's like the specific ruling class, you know. <laughs> like it, when I was in Hanoi, the government presence is huge because that's where all the government things are based. So there'd just be like dudes in like the green jumpsuit, you know, like the drab olive, you know just sitting at tables if it was like early in the day they're drinking coffee if it was later in the day they're drinking beer but the whole stereotype is that they're just overpaid and like don't really do anything but they're they're you can't do anything about it like if you're a westerner they're just gonna stare at you when you walk by like don't fucking try anything you know yeah but it was just it just made everything really tense just you know honestly... it's kind of like hard to like pick up girls around that atmosphere yeah when there's literally like a visible fucking ak-47 near you draped casually yeah, yeah. dude do you do you remember how uncomfortable it was just having like pistol armed cops like we went we went partying in a downtown area once uh when i was visiting mm-hmm. matt and uh we were drinking fago sodas and walking down the street and the cops were like hey what are you doing what, what what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. We just kept walking. Yeah. Um, so it was like, I, if you want to stop us, stop us. But um, it just that uh, when I see countries where that's every street corner of every major city, I'm like, dude, that's got to be fucking hell. Like I can go two or three days without seeing a police officer where I live. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's why Thailand is doing so much better economically is just because if you're in the area where people are partying, you don't have to see cops unless you're fucking up really bad. Like, yeah, they kind of make it seem like they're all separate businesses, but all the businesses are kind of working together. So if you try to, like, do something, then everybody's going to jump down your throat. As long as you don't try to do something crazy, then then you'll just feel like you're... It's like... It's like the epitome of just like, hey, this is this is where you party, you know? Because in America, you just do one. Yeah, in America, you're just worried if the cops are going to come through. And if you're in Europe, you're worried like, is this expensive? Am I like, you know, breaking some kind of rules that I don't know about? But in in Thailand, it's pretty simple. You can smoke weed there now. Just don't get caught with anything else. Yeah, I don't. I, did you you didn't believe me when I told you that Thailand legalized? I it was just out of nowhere, but then I went back through some old rap music and they're like, "I'm high off this Thai weed." You know, <laughs> from the 90s. Dude, and that was a Thai stick, bro. Yeah, dude, once I thought about it cuz it's like from there originally, and I was surprised to, that it was like good quality weed. I mean, they're charging like $30 a gram when like a meal is like three dollars so it's super expensive but it was it was solid it was some solid weed out there so you went to thailand vietnam and cambodia out of out of the three would you recommend doing the full package or would you just pick one country or two oh, if you're gonna if you're gonna pick one just do thailand Vietnam has some cool stuff in it. I could skip Hanoi. It was fine, but it's it's close to Ha Long Bay. So if you want to see Ha Long Bay, you're probably going to go to Hanoi. Saigon is the place to be, for real. I would not skip Saigon, dude. Saigon was possibly more lit than 
Thailand. It's just Thailand is a lot. It's a lot easier to just pick up girls. It's yeah. really nice. It's <laughs> there's just something nice about just being like openly valued, just for your looks, just for your just how you are. You know, like just being in America, kind of you know gets to you after a while. Yeah. You know, you're just another person, and then you go out there. And you're, you're exotic. You're just a little bit special. You're exotic, exactly. You just got a little extra flair to you, you know. There's a. Uh, I like that, man. Um, uh, Matt, I, uh, I, I promised, uh, I'd do a tight forty-five because I have company yeah. over. But uh, mm-hmm. is there anything you wanna you wanna plug at all? Not yet. I got a series coming out soon. Cool, it's gonna cool. be about it's gonna be about some some it's gonna be a deep dive. That's all I'm gonna say. I got a series. It's deep dives. So if you like deep dives about stuff that you probably never thought about, and if you can hang around for who knows how long these episodes are gonna be. First one's getting pretty long. Definitely over an hour. Fuck yeah. We'll see. That's dude. I'm I'm excited. Um, you're gonna be releasing that through our network, right? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, Kill Podcasters Network. Stay tuned, dude. I would. Uh, we're gonna do. I'm. I'm gonna announce this right now. I guess we're doing a compilation tape of like a, a best of because we kind of want to debut. Like, hey, here are the shows we have under our banner, and we're all related. And come look at come look at the network. Um, yeah. so it'd be it'd be really cool if uh, uh, we could get something from I don't know, it was something from uh from you on there. That'd be sick. Yeah, on the Kill Podcasters tape. Yeah, dude, the Kill tape. That's what I've been calling it. That's the, that's the working title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, fuck yeah, dude, this has been good. Uh, any any oh, chance yeah. we could get you on here uh next week or something? Yeah, fuck I'm yeah. around. Fuck yeah, dude. All right, man. I'm gonna. I think I think I might smoke a bowl, dude. I seriously, man. I don't know what it is about podcasting. I was in, I was, I've been so wound up for two days and I just feel, I feel like I got a fucking three hour massage. Yeah. Dude, just wait till you try those two hour massages out in Thailand. Dude, I, man, okay. Yeah, I forgot Thai massage. I, I so badly want to go to one of those places where they just like drive an elbow, like just as deep Ooh. as they can. Like, yeah, dude, it's so good. <laughs> Did you get a Did you get a massage while you were there? I got lots of massages, and then I learned how to tell if it's gonna be a good massage or if it's gonna be we're gonna offer to suck your dick massage. Oh, what's how do you how do you tell? Well, first off, the outfit. If they tell you to take everything off, they're gonna want to suck your dick. If they give you a whole outfit with this like weird shirt and these cool shorts with like a string around it. You're probably in for a really good massage. Like it's gonna hurt at the time, but it's gonna. You're, it's like it hurts so good when they're like pushing their knee into you, and it's kind of weird, like seeing somebody else getting the same massage. Cause you look over and at your buddy, and there's like a five foot tall Thai lady just standing on his back, just full on standing, just like pushing her heels into like his vertebrae. <laughs> but it's also nice to get your dick sucked after a mediocre massage. 
Oh, fuck, man. I wish we didn't have to call it good. Um, this is, will be a teaser for next week. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, is there a... I think I want to do outro music again, bro. What is there a song yeah. you you want to you want to fucking rock out to? You want the audience to rock out to? Honestly, you know what I've been listening to. I'll send you I'll send you the link to this, dude. It's Tibetan flute music. I've never been to Tibet, but there was this really like chill Tibetan flute music. Word. I had it going for like six hours today. And you were just listening to fucking flute. Oh, you had it going for six hours today. Just in the background, dude. Okay. Uh, yeah. Said that over. I'll pl- I'll put a flute track on the end of this. We got it. We have a highbrow yeah. audience. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um. Uh. Thanks again, Matt. Uh. Fucking. Uh. Thanks for listening to Piss Magazine, guys. Uh. Check out all of the other shows on Kill Podcasters, The Couch Philosopher, Duttheads. Uh. Many more to come. Uh. Big and bald. And the upcoming miniseries from Matt about uh, currency. How you getting? How you getting fucked, dude? Matt's gonna Matt's yeah, gonna tell you. <laughs> Matt's gonna tell you how you. First you're one's fucked. about currency. Second one's about Yemen. Oh really? Yeah, go look oh, up Yemen. Wow, uh, I'm actually kind of excited for that one, dude. Because Yemen is. There was a period of time there where geopolitics was something that was like my hobby, but Yemen just never came up. In those three years, yeah, it dude. just wasn't particularly relevant to the scenarios I was looking at. But uh, get ready to learn about Islam. Oh, hell yeah! yeah. Uh, we actually we do, we do have one listener in Egypt. <laughs> All right, All right. Either a Coptic or a Sunni, if I had to guess. Yeah, yes, yeah, a Sunni. Yeah. Uh, there's a. It's so interesting, dude. I don't. Are you Are you on Twitter? You know. I have never been on Twitter, and I feel like I'm missing sometimes, but other times, I don't know. I would, I'd, fuck, dude. Uh, honestly, like, um, it's been a slow week on Twitter, but spaces are always good. Um, anyways, I, I should go. I really should go, but send me some of that flute yeah. music. Um, and this episode will be up probably tomorrow. I, I'm so. Oh yeah anxious to post these anyways uh have a good night everybody so uh this is the tibetan flute music you were talking about yeah dude this is that good old tibetan healing flute increase your mental strength do you think music really heals the soul i mean what is the soul (laughs) that's the real question i've i've determined to become buddhist in my next life yeah. Yeah, I like I like this one too much. I want to come back again. Yeah, right. I kind of want to do this one how I'm doing it. I'm not sure if I'm ready to like become a monk. But yeah. Dude, yeah. I'll I'll tell you what. When you become a monk, it makes your friends very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Monks are terrible at visiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I hate that this wasn't in the podcast, but like Oh, we're still recording. Like Oh, cool. So in places like Cambodia, if you want to hold public office, you have to spend at least like 18 to 24 months as a monk. So most people, right when they get out of high school, they just go into being a monk for like two years, you know? Wow. And yeah, if you don't do it, you can't hold any sort of public office. Dude, their uh, religious traditions, like the, uh, the Karmapas and the Lamas, 
I find to be so fucking interesting. Like, if you've never looked into, like, the, uh, the life of the 16th Karmapa, uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, mm. so cool, dude. This guy was like, we're getting killed by the Chinese, we're just gonna hike over a mountain into Nepal, and we're just gonna, like, figure it out from there. Dude comes to America, starts smoking cigarettes and drinking and driving. Oh, wait, when was this? Like, the late 60s, early 70s. So you can go hear this guy talk. Um, He's recorded. He, uh, yeah, he had a, he opened up a school in Vail, Colorado, I think. Of course. Yeah, and so, like, I mean, if you want to take a four-hour drive from Wyoming, go over and fucking uh, say, what's up? (laughs) Um, I would, I don't know, man. I feel like, uh... Running a meditation school would absolutely be the most peaceful job ever. I feel like I'd be... I I don't want to do the grifty one. Like, I used to be like... I still do transcendental meditation, but I've decided that the organization behind it is complete horseshit. Yeah. Um, like, I... Grifting. They're, they're grifting, hardcore. It's like, your, your technique can be explained in 45 seconds or less, and you're charging people thousands of dollars... To, to learn how yeah. to repeat a syllable to themselves. It's retarded. Is it Om? Um, so it is based on your gender and birthday. Usually birth month. Okay. And then it's just normally the name of a Hindu god. So it's you'll get like Ram or uh, any monosyllabic god name. Mm. Dev, 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 Dev. Say Shri a bunch of times. Like... The point is, you could be saying pizza. Yeah. They they want to add special meaning to having a secret mantra, but there, there's nothing. There's no added value. Yeah, it sounds like they've learned a little bit about Buddhism because there are some like temples that you go to where it's like, oh, if your birthday is on this day of the week, then you say this one syllable this many times. You know, like if it's on Monday, then you say Sha fifteen times. Or you say this whole prayer, and that will give you good luck. And it's just people like interactive religions, you yeah. know? Yeah. I. So what I'd love to talk to you about next time, for at least a little bit, is the Ascended Masters, the mm. most interactive religion. So yeah. every every sect that believes in the, the Ascended Masters, it's always one or two people get magic letters dictated to them from like the spirit of Buddha or the spirit of Serapis Bay or Saint Germain and and people take it as like gospel truth and it is so fascinating yeah yeah um, ascended masters cool all have you ever heard of that the ascended I've, masters I've heard it like talked about in relation to like Aleister Crowley wanted to talk about the Ascended Masters and like Madame Blavatsky was like in touch with the Ascended Masters but not really but just pretended that she was you yeah, know yeah they were like a in, in my opinion a literary device that people took yeah. way out of context yeah um, probably <laughs> but uh man uh th- thanks again for the talk dude um I think we do yeah, gotta man. wrap it up but uh This was chill as fuck. All right.